Welcome to Vistas by WebCheck Security. News, views, and insights into the cybersecurity realm, leadership, and entrepreneurship. Produced by WebCheck Security. My name is Greg Johnson, and I'm your host. Today we chat with Aubrey Murray, Executive Vice President, uh, Executive Vice President of Perpetual Storage Inc., or PSI a privately owned and operated maximum security vault facility dedicated to the storage of digital records and cloud data located inside a solid granite mountain along the Wasatch Front in Utah. Also joining us today is PSI Chief Information Officer or CIO, J.R. Maycock. Vistas is sponsored by Vivint Smart Home. (laughs) Look, have you ever wondered what would happen if I were robbed? What would they get? What do I, who do I call? Or how do I protect myself? Well, look no further than Vivint Smart Home. Look, folks, they have the best technology for cameras, doorbells, garage sensors, window sensors, thermostats, everything you need in one app for world-class home security and automation. Call Vivint today at 1-800-570-1313. That's right, one 800 5701313. Now we'd be remiss if we didn't miss our other anchor sponsor, Nexus IT. They're a hyper responsive and worry-free approach to providing world-class IT support and solutions so leaders can focus on their business. Hey, shout out to Earl and his crew, one of the greatest CEOs with the most integrity that I know and a great bass player. Reach out to Earl's crew for your IT security needs at www dot nexusitc.net i'm going to say that one more time visit their site nexusitc.net all right we are going to dive into today's guests um this podcast, WebCheck Security, is excited to introduce you to Aubrey Murray and J.R. Maycock. First, a little about them. So Aubrey Murray is the Executive Vice President at Perpetual Storage, Inc., or PSI, a privately owned and operated maximum security vault facility dedicated to the storage of digital records and cloud data located inside a solid granite mountain along the Wasatch Front. Aubrey is a devoted advocate of strong cybersecurity practices and in helping companies understand how and why they need to protect their vital data. Aubrey graduated magna cum laude from New York University, and when she isn't taking on the world of cybersecurity, she enjoys going on adventures with her husband, son, and dog. Now, PSI CIO J.R. Maycock is a 14-year IT veteran with a background spanning corporate service provider, freelance, and K-12 education environments. His areas of expertise include identity management, behavioral security, systems architecture, business continuity planning, and exploring the alignment of technology with business strategy. He is best known for his accessibility and easygoing attitude, always making time to turn over a topic of interest or answer a question. JR currently holds holds the position of CIO at Perpetual Storage in Salt Lake City, Utah, and you will love listening to his technical expertise. Aubrey and JR, welcome to the show. How are you folks? Doing great. Thank you, Greg, and thanks for having us. We're so happy to have such a great relationship with you, Roadchips. Web check security and Nexus IT. 
Yeah, Thank- it's an exciting opportunity to talk today. Oh, I'm so glad to have you guys on on the show. Uh, this is going to be a unique show because we we have never had uh, executives from a, a company that delivers the technology and services quite in the way that you guys are doing it. So, okay, Aubrey, diving in there, tell us the cool story of PSI. How long you've been in business? How did it start? And kind of at a high level in that story, now where are you going? What's it evolving into? Oh, yeah, great. So um, the business started when the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also sometimes referred to as the LDS Church, contacted the original owner of the land, who was Rich Whitmore, and he used to own Whitmore Oxygen, um, which is now Prax Air, and asked to buy some land for their own wells. Uh, then Rich decided to build his own vault in partnership with Bob Lynch for commercial use. And the day before those vaults opened, Bob Lynch bought Rich out, and so it's been privately owned by the same family for over 53 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, so I'm third generation, um, and my, when my granddad passed away, then it went to my grandmother. Um, and when she passed away, it went to my dad and my mom and, um, my sisters and I are the next ones in line. So, um, we, everyone at PSI is a big family. Um, people who come to work for us tend to stay for decades because we, we really go through a very stringent hiring process to make sure that that security is high and then people stay with us. So um, initially when we opened in 1968, um, we started with storing corporate data on digital and microform media and bullion. Over the years, we have filled the vault with digital media um, of various kinds. It's been, you know, anything from big real tapes to uh, nine track tapes to computer tapes to LTO, hard drives, optical disks, you name it. And it's been interesting to watch the how businesses have evolved uh, the storage of their vital information. Um, and so we've seen in the past, you know, 10, 15 years, more and more companies going to the cloud, and we recognized this trend and decided that we were going to build our own private cloud as well. So we are located inside the mountain, and we have our own data center inside the mountain to provide our private cloud services, um, which include, you know, backup as a service, co-location, and uh, a service we called isolated data tier or IDT, which basically takes uh, cloud data offline to provide that air gap solution, which is great for cybersecurity. And we really try to emphasize to our clients and really educate the community on, you know, the importance of, you know, having a data, uh, a business's data air gapped and stored offline away from their own businesses. So in case any kind of natural disaster would happen, they know that they would be safe storing their data in our vaults. And what makes this land that we're in so unique is that um, it's a piece of rock that has gone and pushed its way through up between the mountain peaks. So it's different from the land on either side of it. And so um, 
it's called what's called a monolith, monolithic monolithic and what happened uh, millions of years ago is that uh, this rock was molten and then hardened molten and hardened over and over again to the point where it had no fissures no cracks um, it created the, created this fissureless mountain right piece and pushed its way up through the crest and that's that's the rock that we're in so when there's rock like this it's fissureless that means that the possibility of a cave-in is like non-existent there's no quartz highways or anything and i just have to interject here aubrey that for our listeners i've been to this this vault this site that uh, perpetual storage has and it is impressive i I mean we've in the tour uh, we were told that this this thing is virtually it's almost nuke proof uh, because it's fissureless and it's this solid granite, earthquake uh, seismic waves just kind of go right through it. And, and, and so any, whether it's digital media, analog media, or the data center media that's stored in this vault is, is almost virtually indestructible, impenetrable. And, and that's before we talk about your, what is it? Six foot thick, uh, steel vault tell us tell us about that really quickly before we move on um well yeah so we're basically um natural disaster proof and uh nearly man-made disaster proof they'd have to drop a bomb basically on top of us in order to make an event in our rock so um it our vault is built to exceed uh, department of defense standards it's overbuilt for any earthquake that might come through and we do have this six-ton steel vault door um, that actually we can say is nuclear blast proof because um, it survived a nuclear blast in Japan. Oh, Uh, wow. You just don't want to get your finger caught in that door, right? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yeah. When that thing's out of balance, nobody can move it. So when we've got huge thick walls and – and lots of layers, different layers of security, which of course I can't go into on this, but we have tons of different scans that people go through as they walk into the vault and uh, armed guards, man traps, several layers of security. So uh, we're ready for whatever comes our way with our armed guard. Very, very impressive. Well, thank you, Aubrey, for that that intro. Now, JR, I'm going to turn to you for a minute, and let's paint the, the cyber picture here. Uh, for our listeners, JR is a very uh, certified, storied uh, CIO. He's, he's had his sleeves rolled up and has been into the Microsoft uh, world and the technology world for many years. He has a good handle on things. So, JR, in your view, what are some of the key cyber challenges that we face right now and how does PSI solve some of these issues? Yeah, and this is the meat on the bone of what we need to talk about, and it's hopefully the most relevant possible content in shaping the decisions for your listeners. Fantastic. The cyber challenge environment is more and more significant, um, and in a way that I really like to draw some attention to 2021 being materially different than even time periods two years ago, 2019 or 2018. Really? There is, yeah, there really is that much more revenue of a business embedded into their data state. The relationship of a company's corporate data 
to their ability to execute operations and derive market value is now tighter than ever. There is wow. wow. Very did COVID, did COVID do that? Uh, do you think, JR? I actually think these pieces were pre-existing well before COVID, Greg. I think that this is just the nature of how operations happen these days and the effective digitization of almost every line of business to where there are very few companies left that could make a statement that their digital assets don't represent the fundamental presence and value of their company for the dollars and cents kind of way of going about it. Okay. So we've been evolving to this for some time then. We have. Um, I think that the part where COVID and the attendant changes in operations and working from home and that sort of stuff has really changed the picture, however, is the degree of vulnerability and exposure that companies now have. The nature of how adversaries are behaving, cyber criminals and other attackers coming into corporate environments is really genuinely different than even two years ago. The way an attack works now, even against a company of modest size, only 20 employee headcount that is otherwise been able to make a statement in the past credibly that they were under the radar, it's no longer true. When an adversary comes into your environment now, they operate using sophisticated human-guided techniques. They will stay resident within your estate for a number of weeks doing surveillance and learning what they need to know about your environment and knowing what data is most critical. They will locate where production systems are. They will locate how you create backup copies, and they will locate when your operations are most vulnerable to disruption, be that month-end billing, be that some critical product release timeline, be that when you're going to have employees on vacation who are normally part of your incident response plan, and they will choose to trigger their attack events at that time you are maximally vulnerable. The attacks tend to include items like uh, ransomware, you know, maliciously weaponizing encryption technologies to lock you out of your file sets. They now also universally include data exfiltration. They steal sensitive data and then blackmail you about the release of that data to your competitors, to your clients, to the public on the internet in order to get further payments. And they will continue to extract money from you even beyond an initial payment uh, in order to get systems online again and in order to then disclose what pieces they are holding on to into the future. The amount of vulnerability that a company faces in that world is really significant. Now, PSI's role in how we help our clients respond is that we are a data protection partner. The fundamental requirement for being able to survive and operate in a threat-based world that we've been describing is that you need to have copies of your corporate data that are off-site and are more critically offline. They are uh. not accessible via any network-based method. Those copies of the data have to be fresh. They have to be some of your most recent stuff all the way up to something like less than a day old. So you aren't facing these risks of huge amounts of time required to reconstruct the transactions or other components of your business 
that are captured and updated. There are a lot of mechanisms available that rely on software to try and create protected copies that are really not adequate compared to a full-scale air gap. Anything that is software-based can still be compromised one way or another. And the other factor that a lot of companies don't consider correctly is if you are attacked and you need to execute recovery, the speed of data return matters a lot. We offer some very unique services around the return of data in physically and immediately accessible form instead of data being locked behind slower internet-based connectivity that can yield five days or 10 days of time waiting for data to even transfer back. The use of a service like ours is a minimum necessary item to be able to respond. It doesn't form the complete picture by itself. There's some other very important elements that we'll talk about later on in this recording that form the whole picture, but we think that our clients are receiving some very unique, very high-end protection that gives them the appropriate response capabilities in this modern operating threat environment that is remarkably different than even a short time ago. So bottom line, you guys are able to efficiently and with the proper bandwidth have uh, consistent uh, backups of an organization's key data or, or key systems. And, and it's, it's virtually stored in a, a weatherproof, indestructible location. So the physical elements are taken out of it. And you guys have managed to solve some of the, some of the backup elements, the technology uh, backup elements, so that, as you say, the data is always fresh. Meaning that if they get a ransomware attack and data is encrypted, no problem. Wipe, refresh, erase, and we're going to restore the fresh data from that pristine source, that, that high lake, high, high mountain lake, if you will. Is that, is that a good way to rephrase that, JR? Mm-hmm. That's an excellent summary. And the beauty of it is it's all deliverable in a as-a-service format. You can consume those outcomes from us without having to go through a lot of internal uh, staff allocation and a lot of ongoing time allocation among your employees to get to that state. And it fundamentally changes the power dynamic. That's what we're really talking about in the end when we are describing attack events. You as a stakeholder in your business are now in a position of having no power left against an attacker. They are in control of your fate if you have not gone through the appropriate preparatory steps. If you're one of our clients and receiving our protection services, your ability to respond in the event of attack, and it very much is a when, not an if, Yeah, you can simply say, nope, you do not control the fate, adversary and enemy. I have the power to deliberately choose to evict you out of my system, restore from clean copies, and I can speak with incredible confidence that everything is going to come back online clean and correct and I am still in charge of the fate of my business instead of facing no power left to you being on the back foot and having someone else control all the cards and dictate those outcomes to you. Very cool. I, I really like what you guys have done and, and the way you've described it, JR, is 
is is is really interesting. Now I'm going to shift back to Aubrey for a minute, and then we'll come back to you. Um, so Aubrey, as your business of of did you say 53 years? Did I get that right? Yeah, over 53 years. So yeah. o- over 50 years, what challenges has the business experienced, and I imagine more recently in going from merely the storage of microfiche and records and, and even bullion, which you may do a lot of that still, um, and offline digital media to now real-time uh, digital media and and producing this cybersecurity solution uh, that, uh, and I'll say critical cybersecurity solution that JR has just described. Well, it's it's been really interesting. We've had a few a few mm-hmm. things uh, over the years. So, of course, uh, data compression technology is so much better than it was 53 years ago, right? <laughs> right. I mean, 53 53 years ago, a computer could take up an entire room, right? Um, and so, and now we have these phones that can do way more than that whole computer in a room could do. So, um, so that co- data compression has over the years, you know, we've been full, data compresses, people start using di- different media, and so we have more space available. And this has ha- happened a lot over the years. Um, we have a private courier service to pick up and deliver, uh, you know, our, com- our clients' records uh, to and from them. And one of the challenges that people might think is, well, you're you're in Utah and a canyon and a mountain that experiences a lot of snow. So, you know, what happens if there's an avalanche or something? And I can tell you that in 53 years, we have never been unable to deliver our clients' data when they ask for it. Wow. That's impressive. We have never, yeah, we've never missed one single day. So, um, so, you know, there's, there's some kinds of weather challenges and things like that. Um, you know, but we have we have such high security, we have such high standards for, you know, who handles the data and how. Um, I would say those are the, the main challenges and then just kind of grappling with how data is changing, how data is being stored and deciding to go to the cloud and how do we want to do the cloud. So, you know, picking up which providers provide the best security, you know, could we go, you know, could we do point to point and all, all of these different factors we've had to evolve our knowledge because we went from storing physical media right. to basically becoming a technology company. And so that's another hurdle we kind of had to come over, you know, get over in these years. And we've had a lot of help along the way from great partners and, and JR's been working with us for a long time, um, and we have some of the best security around. So those are the main factors, I would say. So the, so the marketing education and getting the message out that, hey, folks, we have this. We're, we're not just going to store your microfiche and your tapes anymore. Or Well, we can, but guess what? Uh, we have a backup solution that's real-time, and it's in this amazing granite cloud in fact haven't you called one of your services granite cloud or educate us there yeah so our our data center services has the overall umbrella term of granite cloud um and under that uh comes our backup as a service um you know services we we also can provide you know 
co-location and a few other services if asked, and that would be tailored to the client. Um, but really, IDT is what we've been, what we had in mind the entire time, and that's again, that's isolated data tier. Um, and we have always thought of that as being really important because we could see people going to the cloud, but then that data was always online, and we wanted to be able to solve for that problem of having data always online and who has access to it and you know is it the sysadmins and what about um you know employee employees being turned over to you know sell the data to bad actors right right um or let in let in some ransomware um so we wanted to take and that that's an issue by the, the way picture. i'll just pause you right there for a minute uh, aubrey because that's an important issue you know at WebCheck security as you know we advise clients on their cyber your, their overall cybersecurity programs and what we find is that so many organizations don't have offboarding procedures yeah. that relate to cybersecurity, and so mm -hmm. an employee has the, the the fateful meeting hey you know dude we gotta you know we for whatever reason we've we've, we've got to lay you off and we're gonna pay you some severance or whatever but uh, sorry about that and you can go to your desk and clean out and it's it's been it's been great working with you sorry it, it had to end this way well a lot of times many times that employee can go back well, i'm just going to download a few databases here or there i'm going to take these plans and i'm going to take it to my competitors that i've already been talking to and and so what what are the procedures uh so that that employee um is locked out of uh, th that data that that's a very important yeah. process and that they don't have access to it so presumably right. you guys can help solve some of that as well yeah there's a term that we can use internally and is out in the world is called disgruntled employee it's also <laughs> the factor of yes you know if if a hacker wanted to get access into a company they might be able to find out that you know a sysadmin has a lot of access and their husband or wife just got diagnosed with cancer and they're tight on money because they're trying to pay for all of this or they're in debt in some other way. And right. so they're most vulnerable to be kind, being kind of bought. Right. Um, we did have, we, we have had over the years, a couple of times where uh, an employee was let go, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. And, and after they left the facility, they called us up. And they said, hey, you know, of course, you've been dealing with them for years. They're who we drop the tapes off to or the hard drives or whatever. And, uh, and they say, oh, I'm going to come pick up my tapes. Well, a big reason why we have our own private courier service is because we don't allow clients to come and pick up or drop off, ah. you know, their corporate data. Wise. Um, yeah, it, it creates this other level of access, right? So it was a strange request so we called another level three um there's certain levels of access that you have to your data and uh, as our client and we said hey you've got this weird request um this guy said he was going to come up and get the tapes and then they say oh we just we just fired that guy don't give him anything and you know don't don't let him have access to anything and of course of course we have never done anything like that because we always check you know we're not going to just 
hand it over to whoever asks for it. We're going to make sure the proper protocols are followed. Right, right. Very interesting. We're going to take a quick uh, commercial break here, folks. You know, it uh, WebCheck Security looks to Nexus IT to partner for IT operations. It used to be notebooks, posters and banners, proofreading ads and physical invites. Now it's virtual servers and desktops, internet content filtering, web hosting, cloud infrastructure, and more. Ready to jump your company forward a few decades? Let Nexus IT consultants show you how. To find out more, go to www.nexusitc.net or call them at 435-659-2533. I'll say that again. 435-659-2533. And we're back again with Aubrey Murray and J.R. Maycock of Perpetual Storage, Inc., so, JR, what are you advising your PSI customers in regards to how PSI should be a part of the solution to protect against ransomware and why? We're advising a couple things, Greg. We're advising that uh, companies need to do a minimum sanity check on the relationship between data that drives their business and data they have protection policies over mm-hmm. don't let stuff get skipped is really important and it's far too easy just to have that happen then customers that are using us as their provider for data protection we advise them to set a data policy in terms of frequency of how often they are getting us copies of the data and retention length for how long any given point in time is kept around, especially in offline media, in order to give them protection against a advanced persistent threat operator. If there is an event where an adversary is resident in your network for several months, it can often be intelligent to restore the base underlying systems to a state that was prior to that attacker's arrival, three months old, four months old, and then bring back the specific data, things like databases, applications, individual critical files from the most recent copy from 24 hours old after it's scanned in a way that generates it uh, a clean bill of health, no longer containing any malicious software. So we're advising that customers choose how to use a data policy to give them the right kind of survivability. Our role at PSI is around that data protection and data survivability element. We advise that customers also still need to choose a couple of other pieces to be able to survive these types of events that rely upon others in the partner ecosystem for making sure that the other fundamental pieces are ready. You know, we said about the Offline and off-site backups is a fundamental piece, and you can't survive without it. The only other pieces that I would quickly mention as being as fundamentally important are making sure you have appropriate protection of user identities, making sure that you've got separation of duties and least privilege in place and are using not just passwords. Use multiple factors of authentication for all authentication to sensitive places. And then making sure you've got your most sensitive data identified and protected in ways that block exfiltration of the data. This is usually called 
data loss prevention or DLP technologies, make it so that data is not easy to steal. If the data cannot be stolen, then you cannot be blackmailed with it in the future. Identify what your critical data is and use the minimum set of protections to make it so it doesn't leave your estate. If you're protected against the blackmail side by data loss prevention and you're protected against the ransomware deployment by what is held offline in safe states at a provider like Perpetual Storage, you're going to be in place to have a really excellent response. Very good. So let so let's run through a, a scenario. Let's let's say that for whatever reason somebody gets through my defenses, they've um, crypto jacked or crypto locked my data, and uh, but I've been using PSI and it's not online um, right now. And uh, so what 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 do you advise me to do? Well, I advise you to activate your incident response plan and mm-hmm. notify critical internal stakeholders that you're in a response mode. I advise you to initiate a service request with us at Perpetual Storage and identify which data states you want back, what points in time you need made available to you, be that the most recent immediate one, you know, last night's data, or alongside it, do you need something that is back far enough in time to be rendered safe, four months old, let's say, need both of those. We prepare the data The larger the data set is, the more likely we are to use what we would call our expedited restore service and deliver that data on a physical appliance. It is a rack mount server. It's filled with high-speed solid-state disks, and that data is brought to you by our courier service or by flying it on an airplane or doing anything else necessary so that even if you need tens of terabytes back, really big-sized data pool, We can get that to you within about 48 hours, and it is in a usable state when plugged into a piece of your network, a piece of your core infrastructure to start the recovery straight away. And your incident response plan will help dictate what systems, what applications need to be brought online soonest to make your operations go along and continue successfully. So you guys can be part of a an important part of the incident response plan in and of itself or the incident response team, if you will. That is our role of how we see ourselves. We are a critical provider to shorten up the timeline of successful incident response and get your operations going again on the day that you come into the office and see that horrible event of systems lockout and there's a ransom note flashing up at you on all of your workstations. Wow, very good. So, Aubrey, um, back to you. This Granite Cloud and backup solution, it seems like an expensive proposition, but really, is it? How is it? Of course, (laughs) at WebCheck Security, we have a calculator that will monetize risk. Uh, You guys haven't seen this yet, so I'll have to show it to you, but we can actually run a client through their actual revenue numbers and then 10 key questions that put their business in context, but they would be surprised to know how high the value of their data, the value of downtime, the cost of legal, the cost of their reputation, how that affects revenues, and what the cyber impact is. So, but given that, you know, so where I'm going to with that is that it it almost shouldn't matter what customers spend because they're ultimately going to spend a lot more if they're unprepared, (laughs) right? JR, I'm sure you'll agree with that, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about 
dead minimums on ransom payments are now usually in the couple hundred thousand dollar range and the operations disruption to do this in a reactive instead of proactive posture that's in yes. a couple millions range it's yeah. never below a seven-figure number it just isn't anymore yeah yeah good good data and that's what we're seeing as well but but aubrey how does what does this cost uh, you know can you give us an idea of how how companies pay for this uh, it's a good question. And, you know, for for our entire time in business, we have worked with medium to enterprise level companies. Uh, and so we've always been really conscious about uh, budget uh, for our different types of clients and, and what barriers to entry that can cause. And really w- what we want to do is provide the best protection for our clients. So we've worked hard to keep the total cost of ownership for our clients um, as reasonable as possible. We often recommend using a combination of our services in order to keep the cost as low as possible, and this depends on a lot of factors. Um, But starting, first of all, with how a company's data is tiered, and that's different for every company depending on, you know, a lot of different factors. What's the data that they're required to keep to follow regulations and different compliance um, levels? And, And so once we have an idea of what the data tiers look like. This will help us to understand how quickly each data tier needs to be restored in case a company experiences a cyber attack or some kind of natural or man-made disaster. Um, and so, you know, there's there's some data that needs to be restored immediately. And that's in order to help the business keep functioning. And so, you know, that would be tier one, right? But right. there's other data that is just sort of backlogged. And so that, they might not need to have that restored as quickly as the tier one. And so in that case, we might um, recommend, you know, IDT or just physical storage for the data that doesn't require uh, to be restored immediately. Um, But IDT and backup as a service, those are good for the data that needs to be restored as quickly as possible. Um, and so it is very reasonable. A medium-sized business can't afford this. We wouldn't really recommend it to small businesses, but um, just because they they have other options that maybe might be less uh, expensive for them, you know. Um, yeah, and I, I understand that. Where we play in web check security is typically as the business uh, the business's revenues grow. And their risk yeah. profile suddenly raises its head. And that comes in a number of ways. One, they may be asked to do a SOC 2 audit, which is very common in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, to yep. determine their cyber safety. It could be CMMC. It could be ISO 27001. Maybe it's PCI because they're processing payments. Or it could be that they've had the HIPAA risk assessment raise its head and and they need to do more under the data protection rule. Whatever that is, that typically happens, um, not necessarily in large businesses, but but as a business's risk profile grows, then so do their needs. And then, of course, PSI and web check security helping with their uh, program management is uh, are, are, mm-hmm. good, are good options. Yeah, uh, and we do have some programs in place mm-hmm. so that uh, there's companies that maybe are startups uh, or something that have critical IP data that needs to be stored um, that we help them with price wise. And really we can appeal to the small businesses. You know, you could store a couple hard drives up with us and it's not 
it, it's not expensive at all to do that. So at least having that offsite copy is really good. Oh, that that's a good um, that's a good to know. Good option. Yeah, and our pricing, of course, is going to be a fraction of what you'd have to pay a cyber criminal. So it's oh, still yes. going to be less than anything like that. Yes, as as Jr. so articulately stated, the just ransomware costs. Uh, but what uh, businesses forget is there's what about what happens is uh, to the to what happens to the tarnishment of your <clears throat> of your reputation. Is there a revenue fall off because your clients know you've been hacked? And in many businesses, <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, and then are there legal costs? And then if you've uh, the business has gone down, you can't process your transactions. You can't communicate with your clients. That's a, that's a problem, isn't it? And uh, and of course, so there's there's bi- the cost of business downtime, the cost to get things restored. These are factors that that often aren't taken into consideration by uh, boards of directors and business owners when they're thinking about cybersecurity. So those are some very yeah. good thoughts. Um, so exactly. we've folks, we've come up on um, uh, to about the end of the podcast here. This has been fantastic. I think we're going to have to have you back. Uh, but uh, Jr., back to you. Kind of a parting shot. Uh, what cyber advice would you leave our listeners with if, if they remember nothing else? <laughs> what do you want them to know? Mm. If you remember nothing else, I would say remember this. There's an old rule in data protection called 321. And I would request that you remember a modernized version that 321 plus is now a requirement for any business to operate and interact with their digital data. The premise of this rule in the updated form is that you need to have at least three copies of your data, production, and two backups. They need to be in at least two separate administrative realms. That's probably the most important piece to walk away from today with, with as an understanding. The administrative realm concept describes the boundaries around the use of credentials and permissions, where your day-to-day productivity workloads and the administrative credentials used by IT staff or other business stakeholders to make changes to those environments need to not operate and be allowed to see every backup copy. And then the final piece of that rule, the one, is that at least one copy must be air-gapped and offline. Perpetual Storage is a provider who can help you get the two and one parts met very quickly because our offline copy delivery is in an intrinsically separated administrative realm. There is no access or touch point to our service provider backend where those offline copies are generated. And it means that no matter how successful an attacker might be in stealing the operating credentials of your environment, or if that attacker is a malicious insider, you still have the highly protected copy to fall back on. So just the value of the 321 rule 321 plus version of the rule and embedding it into all of your decisions about how to run your business's digital estate. 
Well, well said. Three, two, one, and one being probably the most important, air-gapped and offline, and that's what perpetual storage does and more. Thank you, JR, for uh, your articulate responses today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and to learn from you. And Aubrey, how can our listeners reach you guys, and, and what do you want them to reach out to you for? Yeah, so um, Tyler can reach me. It would be info at perpetualstorage.com as an email okay. address, or you can re- reach us locally on our local number at 801-942-1950. And we have other ways to contact us through our website on perpetualstorage.com. And uh, and if we do this again, Greg, I promise I'll make my answers shorter because Jared does a great <laughs> job of being concise, and I yeah. just really don't. <laughs> oh no, it was it was fantastic, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. That brings us up to the end of our podcast. Again, folks, Aubrey Murray and J.R. Maycock with Perpetual Storage, a fantastic air-gapped and offline solution and real-time solution for protecting you against cybersecurity threats and ransomware. Well, folks, as we wrap up the podcast, Vista's wishes to thank its sponsors, Vivint Smart Home and Nexus IT Consultants. For world-class security and home automation, call Vivint today at, you ready for this number? 1-800-570-1313. That's right, 1-800-570-1313. And for white glove cybersecurity and IT assistance, contact Nexus IT at www dot nexusitc.net or call them at 435-659-23 or sorry 2533 i'll say that again 435-659-2533 today's music has been provided by suit up soldier and can be downloaded on spotify apple music and other popular streaming platforms This band has recently exceeded over a million streams. They're playing in L.A. They're touring all over the country. They're a very well-produced and exciting band. Well, folks, check back soon for another episode of Vistas, published at least twice a month. Until next time, be positive and see only the good in others.